and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet. And our guest from Australia today was not able to make it. She was traveling, but we're going to be discussing menopause. We will definitely have her rescheduled. Um, but Janet and I, we're kind of, that's our thing. We talk about hormones all day long to people all over the world. So we talk a lot about menopause. And I guess at first we should start with what is the definition of menopause? Janet, you go. Well, it depends on who is defining it, but most of the time it means a lady has uh, went for at least a year without a period. Um, and that can kind of be skewed a little bit today because many women will have uh, ablations done and so you don't necessarily know. Um, but that's usually about the standard uh, definition of when menopause is uh, considered to be that you have transitioned into it. So does that mean, Janet, that after you reach menopause and you haven't cycled for 12 months, does that mean that you'll never cycle again? Um, not necessarily. It can be uh, occasionally. Um, in cases, for example, that women start on hormone therapy, uh, sometimes when we reach optimal levels, they might have a cycle or it might be a rare thing that happens, but it's not a full on, you know, blown um period or menses, um, it's usually very light and um, it doesn't keep happening over time. So outside of um, ablation, is there any way that if a woman had had an ablation or even a partial hysterectomy right. and so doesn't have their uterus, is there any way to tell that they might still be producing hormones, that their ovaries might be producing their hormones? Absolutely. So um, most levels that we look at now for labs are blood levels. And so they will show that. But in the case of a woman who has been starting hormone therapy, that might be a little tricky at first. But over time, it definitely will reflect the menopausal state that um, that she has transitioned into. Is it true that some women, even though they don't have a uterus, they can still tell that they were cycling because they yeah. can tell they're ovulating? Is that true? Absolutely. It's very different for each woman. Woman, but women can actually feel or um, sometimes there is also a mucus release that happens. Um, that's not uncommon for women to um, have that happen throughout their life. So is there any prelude to menopause? There's a term called perimenopause. Is there a prelude to know when you might be approaching menopause? Well, part of it, part of it kind of transitions in, in, our, in our culture around 50, but it could be slightly earlier, depending on how your mom transitioned. Um, so it can be a little bit genetic on that side. Um, and then also it just depends on you, how many, how you cycled. So um, perimenopause is a very, very erratic time because your ovaries work and then they don't, then they do, and then they don't. Um, so not all transitions are the same. Um, and each woman is a little bit different. And so um, there might be women that are still cycling at their 50s if if that is who they are. I mean, we can't put everybody in a box. And if they are naturally, um, that's just the way it is. And what about perimenopause? What are some of the first signs that you uh, might be going into perimenopause? 
there again, it's very different for each person, but it could be that you skip a cycle. It could be that you're starting to have hot flashes, um, sleep disturbances, or uh, other symptoms that people might have. I think when we start seeing uh, ladies in that phase, um, it's usually the hot flashes, but it could be even things that are less significant that you don't pick up on. For example, you might start having vaginal dryness, and that's a sign that you're not producing enough estrogen and uh, testosterone, and so that could be sneaking up on you as well. The other hormone or the other thing symptomatically that can start happening is um, UTIs start becoming more frequent for them. So what about progesterone? Uh, isn't it true that when you start hitting perimenopause, it's your progesterone level that is decreasing and that's what's causing cycle dis dis disruptions, whether you skip a cycle or your cycles are, um, you know, have changed. Isn't it progesterone we usually um, see that is decreased during that period? Actually, it, it, it's the ratio of progesterone to estrogen that's super important because um, they balance each other. And if you have not enough progesterone, then your cycles become longer and, and you might have a heavier cycle or you're just not sleeping because progesterone balances estrogen. And if your estrogen is off, you might feel anxious or you might be having those hot flashes. And really the progesterone, if you bring that into balance, can make a big difference as to how someone transitions into menopause. So isn't it true that in our traditional medical system, what do we usually give women that start having um, hormonal issues, you know, during perimenopause? What do we traditionally give them? Well, I'm not going to say traditional because I don't believe that it's traditional. It's just since we've started using big pharma. And I would guess that that's probably about 40 or 50 years or 70, maybe, but about 50 years is where I'm going to hit. Um, and the first thing that we reached for for our tool in the pharmaceutical box was hormones like estrogen. So we would give uh, today um, in 2023, we would probably give a woman birth control pills. And um, so we give her more estrogen, which actually is probably going to make things worse in the long run because she really needs progesterone versus estrogen. And the other, the other pharmaceutical that we reach for is Premarin. And I, I don't really uh, recommend, and a lot of people that specialize in hormones and women usually don't recommend estradiol for women until after they've reached menopause. So, um, we reach for progesterone. So it's kind of um, an opposite uh, end of the spectrum is how it's treated with um, today's Western culture of trained medical doctors and physicians and nurse practitioners that work with uh, the standard care, but not always the right quality of care. So, Well, and typically in our experience, um, based on thousands of patients' population, during that perimenopause period, they have enough estrogen. They just right. don't have enough progesterone, correct? Right. So when you give them more estrogen, it'll actually make things worse. Exactly. And traditionally, just like we were taught in pharmacy school, um, you know, we associate women with estrogen and, and, and women only need estrogen. And, you know, so that's that's what we typically were taught to give. Now, let's go back on Premarin um, for anybody that's watching has ever heard of Premarin. Most popular estrogen ever prescribed. Premarin stands for pregnant mare's urine. It is horse pee. It is estrogen that's isolated from horse pee period. They don't even teach that in pharmacy school anymore because it's so disgusting and they don't want, they don't want people to know about it. Many doctors don't know what Premarin stands for either. 
So I don't think it should ever be prescribed. Um, there are better options. Bioidentical estrogen is what's important. Birth control pills are not bioidentical estrogen. Premarin is not bioidentical estrogen. Bio meaning life, identical to being what's in our body. So estradiol, estriol, estrone are bioidentical. Progesterone is bioidentical. Testosterone is bioidentical. Um, so let's talk a little bit more as we transition into perimenopause. We talked about decreased progesterone levels, what's usually the next hormone to follow? It's usually testosterone, but it also could be thyroid. Um, that's one that's really overlooked for a lot of women and men is that um, after the age of 40, we should be looking at optimal thyroid levels because if we don't have optimal levels of that, then we could have metabolism issues as well as your immune system isn't working as well, as well as it's not supporting our cholesterol. So I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what Sean said about estrogen. And the reason perimenopausal women still have a lot of estrogen is we store in our fat cells. So many times we don't need to add any more. We just need to balance what needs to happen. So we could add some progesterone or some testosterone or thyroid if it warranted it. And I think for women, testosterone is probably overlooked more than any other hormone um, besides progesterone. And the reason that's important is because it helps to maintain our lean uh, muscle mass and our strong bones. And we want to maintain those as we age. And then it will help to some degree if we are having some hot flashes, because there will be a small amount that will convert into estradiol. But it's also good for your brain. Yep. It's also good to um, help to um, for energy, for depression. Uh, testosterone is just a game changer. And that's usually the second hormone that decreases after progesterone. It's not estrogen. So typically what I will tell uh, women is that once they start getting into perimenopause and their cycles start becoming more irregular, we don't know when they're going to stop cycling and reach menopause. Um, it could be six months. It could be six years. We just really don't know. Um, but typically, they really don't need a lot of estrogen until they, um, you know, stop their cycles completely and, and go into menopause. That's when they need more estrogen, just based on levels alone, because they're usually producing enough of their own and store enough of their own until menopause. Right. And one of the misnomers, too, I think about menopause and we forget to talk about, but we had uh, a few people on in the last couple of weeks talking about our adrenal functions and cortisol. So really during menopause, we're going from our ovaries back to our adrenal gland for our hormone production. And if your cortisol is off, it's going to make a dip big difference as to how you sleep, how you rest, how you utilize the hormones. So lifestyle is important. So don't, don't go down the path of trying to, you know, have enough of the caffeine drinks to get through the day, because it could be something as simple as you just need to sleep better at night. Um, so little things like that are huge and, and lifestyle is important. So we talked, um, ourselves during the program about, um, exercise. And when I was in my thirties and twenties, I could exercise later in the day or even at night. And turn around and come back and go to sleep and have no problem. Now, not the case. If I exercise past probably seven or eight at night, it changes the quality of sleep that I have. So keep those little, you know, lifestyle tips in mind. Sleep, it trumps everything. Yeah. If you're not sleeping, nothing's going to get better. It doesn't matter how much you balance your hormones. You have to get sleeping and hormone balance can help you sleep. 
especially if it's hot flashes, those are really easy to treat. So let's go back on testosterone, mm -hmm. Janet. So testosterone is typically associated with men. And in pharmacy school, they never taught us, most doctors don't get taught about, you know, women need testosterone, but tell us, and, and, and then people are worried about getting, women are worried about, you know, growing a mustache or a beard and getting big muscles and, right. you know, a, a big jaw and getting aggressive. Will you, will you talk about testosterone for women? So, so I'm going to, I'm going to puncture a big myth right now. And I'm going to start with men. Men are not as sensitive to their hormones as women are. So men actually usually have higher levels of testosterone and estradiol than women do. Our receptors respond very at very lower have lower doses of the hormones well. Um, the big thing that we have done is that we've put um, all hormones such as testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone into a category called sex hormones. And we always just talk about reproduction, but that is only one of the functions that we have. And so in the case of testosterone, our ovaries, still made it throughout our life until we get through menopause and peri it's erratic. It starts dropping off, but testosterone was responsible for things like stronger bones, our mental health. It was also for, or is also for things like our libido. And so um, lean muscle mass is, is huge as we age, as well as our bone health, where you start seeing the strangeness of, too high of testosterone is when you get into the field of athletes that have misused hormones to become something that they weren't naturally meant to be. And I'm going to say that because it's, it's true. I'm not telling them that they don't have to, they're individuals and adults that can make their choices. But what we are talking about is optimal levels that we need to physiological levels healthy of and be healthy. And so a lot of times we've said testosterone is just for men, but that's not the case. Women always do, if they're healthy, produce testosterone. If it's too much, it could be a situation where they've struggled with hormone balances and had too high testosterone and they had cystic apne and it started out in their teenage years and, and that can be a problem and we know it. Um, and so in those cases, you know, the approach is going to be different, but don't be afraid of it. We just need smaller amounts. We just need the correct amount to, to have the optimal level. And really, by definition, a hormone's a messenger. And it has many different messages throughout our entire body. So each hormone that we produce does different things throughout the body at different times throughout the day or as our body needs it. And so that doesn't trigger our body at low doses of testosterone to, say, grow a beard. And it doesn't trigger, you know, make your jaw and your, your forehead change. Those are going to be doses that should not happen. And they're, they're not looking at balancing hormones. They're trying to achieve a goal that's outside of this realm. Well, and so we try to restore somebody's physiological right. levels of hormones. So before you were in menopause and you were making your own hormones and you're in maybe in your thirties and you were feeling great, you didn't have, you know, all the symptoms of hormone imbalance that we've discussed today. Um, that's what we try to get you back to. Right. And mo many times those levels are maybe fall out of the normal range. There's a difference between normal and optimal. And, and when you look at normal, testosterone for men is a perfect example of, of normal not being optimal. Um, when you look at what they test normals on, they test normals on sick people.
They don't test them on 25-year-old men, you know, that are healthy. They test normals on sick people. Well, I personally don't want to be sick. I want to be optimal, you know. So that's why it's important to to go to somebody that specializes in hormones. They know what labs to order and they know how to interpret the labs. Janet, you want to talk about that? I do, because many times I will get a call and say, oh, no, this person's way too high. And and I'll, I'll use testosterone. So when you use testosterone, it usually is either in a cream, a tablet that dissolves on your tongue or a solution or it's injection. And the timing of the test determines what those lab values will show. And remember, all labs are a snapshot in time. Small snapshot in time. So if you took somebody's labs in the morning, which that's the normal time that our ovaries or a man would release from his testes, the hormone testosterone, it's going to be higher in the morning. And as the day progresses, the level drops. So the timing and when it was taken is important. So when I get a call that someone says, oh, no, this person's way too high. You know, you need to look at when it was taken. Are they having symptoms and how are they responding? And those are the things because we don't treat that lab number. We treat the patient. And of course, if it was excessive and they were showing symptoms of too high, oily skin, acne, breakouts, cystic acne, you know, we definitely want to address it. But if it's high and it's like they took it eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning, guaranteed by the end of the day, it's going to be low. And that's because it's in what's called a diurnal uh, uh, drop. It's, it's how we live as humans. Everything like cortisol is higher in the morning as the day progresses, it lowers. And that is very typical of some hormones. Yeah. So, I mean, a perfect example, I got a call. I mean, a frantic call from a nurse one time in a doctor's office and she was freaking out about this guy's testosterone. He's 85 years old and his testosterone was like 800 and a, a quote unquote normal testosterone is like 250 to 800. And she says, well, his 800 is too high for an 85 year old. Oh, okay. Why is that? But I said, the first question I said is I told her, take a deep breath. All right. Take a deep breath. He had just used his testosterone in the morning and just applied it. So he was going to be at a peak level. And I said, how is the patient doing? She says, he hasn't felt better in 20 years. So that's what we have to deal with. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm 85, if I'm on something that's helped me feel better and a doctor wants to take me off of it, I'm going to a new doctor. And that's what I suggest you do too. Um, I mean, we are, we are meant to feel good. And most big pharma things, antidepressants, cholesterol medications, blood pressure meds don't help us feel better. We want to feel good. We want to feel optimal so we can sleep right. So we can exercise. So we can eat right. Those are the things that we need to do to prevent us from being on all these big pharma pharmaceuticals, which don't make us any healthier. They make us sicker. Right. So when we talk about pharmaceuticals, I have to jump on this because this is like my biggest pet peeve throughout pharmacy and practicing is everybody was put on vitamin statin. And I call it that because it was like the biggest push. And really, the culprit here is not the lack of a statin. It's an imbalance of hormones. We all need cholesterol for every cell in our body. Balancing your hormones, especially your testosterone and thyroid, will bring your cholesterol and the HDL and LDL of the lipid panel back into a good place. 
So it's the balance. It's not that you're missing a statin. They've never been proven to improve the quality or outcome of preventing a heart attack. Actually, I think they make life worse. I think that the studies are going to be coming out and probably are out there that we, we cause brain damage, we cause muscle damage, and the overall health of a person seems to decrease. So balancing hormones, as well as your sleep and diet, of course, because that's part of the puzzle, is far better for your system than it would be to take something that is foreign to your body made by a pharmaceutical company. And just a little bit of uh, piggyback off that is 80% of all the cholesterol in our body that we, that we have in our floating around in our blood is produced in our body. Right. Our body produces 80% of our cholesterol. It doesn't come from what we eat. Does that tell you how important it is? Does that also tell you that it's uh, probably just junk science to think that we can lower our cholesterol and it's going to prevent heart attacks. I mean, that's not the problem. I mean, our problem with heart attacks is is, is largely metabolic health, um, obesity. It, it has nothing, very, very little, if anything, to do with cholesterol. And just think about it this way. If the statins worked so well to prevent heart attacks and strokes, to prevent cardiovascular disease, they've been out for 35 years. Cardiovascular disease at an all-time high. So they're not working. Right. And, and, and don't tell me you need a higher dose. That, that makes no sense whatsoever. Right. And I'm going to piggyback on other disease states that start showing up during the menopausal state. And that would be things like diabetes. And usually those things have been underdiagnosed because by the time they tell you, you, oh, well, you're on the borderline. There's no such thing as borderline, period. That, that's You have diabetes or you don't. Yeah, right. And so that, that, is huge for somebody to get their hormones balanced, their body out of inflammation. If there's one thing that you can do for health is reduce inflammation and you have to sleep to be able to do that. And if you are in a metabolic problem with a balance of your hormones, especially women going through menopause, progesterone, 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 because it is so powerful in helping you stay in your sleep pattern. And just... A little bit more on that is that um, we, we have to, all three of those things, sleep, exercise, diet are important and, and hormones can help is a piece of that puzzle. Um, but metabolic health is the important part. And we don't need some number like cholesterol to really tell us if we're metabolically healthy or not. I mean, one of the biggest ways to tell if you're metabolically healthy is look in the mirror. Right. Um, look in the mirror and, and a scale can help too sometimes, but BMI is not always the best way to look at uh, being overweight or not. Because if you have a, if you're carrying a lot of lean body mass around, you can, you can flunk a BMI test and you can have a BMI at 27 or even 29, um, but you have an ideal body composition, you have low body fat. That's what's important. So look in the mirror. If you want to know if you're metabolically healthy, look in the mirror. Do you look healthy? I mean, seriously, look at what a veterinarian does when they see a cow, a horse, or a dog, they know when they're sick right away. And then they don't have to take any blood work. They don't have to do any MRIs, any CAT scans, any ultrasounds. They just look at them and say, hey, this dog is sick. And what's the first thing they say, Janet? What do they ask? Well, they ask, what are you feeding what your animal? What are you feeding your animal? So it matters. Um, it doesn't matter. We don't lack these drugs to make us healthy. We lack sleep, we lack exercise, we, 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 we are lacking something in our diet, or we just have, we're eating too much of, of, of bad things. Or physically and mentally, we need to 
de-stress. So that's where exercise and balancing hormones play a huge role for people's health. And let's talk about, Janet was talking about diurnal. Mm -hmm. Um, Diurnal means unlike nocturnal, opposite of nocturnal. We are diurnal creatures. We are meant to be active and work during the day. We're meant to sleep at night. And if you're not following that pattern, you are slowly destroying your body. And I get it, night shift workers and shift workers. Um, as long as you're feeling optimal, great. But if you're not feeling optimal, I, I wouldn't recommend changing. It. The first thing you need to change, you need to change your job. I mean, and that's just the way it is if you want to live a long, healthy life. Correct. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got some comments here from some viewers. Kelly Young, thank you. You're welcome for speaking the truth. And thank you for listening. Um, Anne, does a doc still have to send in a script for estrogen progesterone? Um, yes, Anne, they do. Uh, hormones, sex hormones like estrogen progesterone are prescriptions only. Um, if you um, reach out to our pharmacy, we will send you to a specific doctor that knows what hormones to order and knows how to balance your hormones appropriately, um, not just a traditional way of giving giving women Premarin. So thank you for commenting. Janet, how do you want to uh, wind up this podcast? So how I want to wind up is this, because we do this every day, ask questions. Um, and if you do your own research and you find when you go into your provider, whether it's a physician or a nurse practitioner or a PA, and you're not getting the answers that sound correct, go somewhere else. Because the last thing I want somebody to do is go out and be put on birth control when they're having perimenopause because that really sets you up for a problem long-term because you're not lacking estrogen at this point during perimenopause. And if you are menopausal and you are having hot flashes, don't stand and, and allow somebody to tell you, oh, hot flashes are natural for the rest of your life. That's not true. They can happen, but it's an imbalance. So don't live with things that you don't have to. Ask questions, be self-motivated and and learn and research and then go forward and don't be afraid to do it. And don't just accept, oh, this is natural. You just have to live with it because I have seen women, unfortunately, that have been told, you know, no, you just have to put up with this for the rest of your life. And, and that's not true. No, it's absolutely not true. And Jen, I wanted, I wanted to mention this too, because it's, it's important. The transition into perimenopause, menopause, they fail birth control pills. Um, they get a little bit older. What's the next step we usually do in traditional medicine? Uh, you mean? I put you on the spot. We, we yeah. give you a hysterectomy. A hysterectomy. Tell us about what happens when a woman has hysterectomy with her so, life expectancy. So um, on average, a hysterectomy will shorten your life by 10 years. On average. Mm, I want to live, I want to live yeah. vibrantly. I don't want, I wouldn't want my life shortened by 10 years. And remember women, even if they take out, um, you know, a lot of times it's a partial hysterectomy. Um, so it's just your uterus, but it's a full hysterectomy. And I know I'm not using the right terms, OBGYN doctors uh, that, that are, that are, might be watching. Um, but that's a simple term for, for us to remember is, you know, it's analogous to this. Think about with men, if they gave if they give women a complete hysterectomy, they take their ovaries away. Think about if we take men's testes away when they got older. It, we wouldn't accept it. We wouldn't accept it at all. And that's the analogy. So um, I wanted to also mention too, don't, don't, you know, Janet talked about ask questions. Don't trust us either. Seriously, 
do your own research. Jen, I absolutely believe in what we do. We have a passion for it. We love helping people. Um, but I, I also, I tell, I tell people I talk to, don't, don't believe me. I mean, go out and do your own research. Please do. And if, and if you do have questions, please let us know. So as that's about wraps this podcast up. If you have any questions, please reach out to reach out to us at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. Um, we are streaming live on the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy page right now. Um, and we also stream live on LinkedIn and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. There are over 2000 educational videos on the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. So Look at our YouTube site, subscribe to it, um, type in certain hormones um, inside our site, and, and we have answered, we have probably answered those questions already. So I thank you for listening in today. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Thank you for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. 